The Mark Stein Show. And now, here's Mark. As I've been saying for months now, I used to worry there'd be a civil war. Now I worry there won't be. I might as well update another old line of mine. How did it go again? When Democrats win, they're in power. When Republicans win, they're in office. Even when Democrats don't win, they're in power. The devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind and he was willing to make a deal. As for my old friend Sean Hannity, the devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a pole to steal. Let me give you the big picture here. Populist candidates emerged in Europe a decade or so back, and I've had the pleasure of getting to know uh, a few of them. They started new parties, and to the horrors of the establishment, some of those parties got elected to Parliament, like Hit Wilders' party in the Netherlands, and some of them became the principal political opposition, like Marine Le Pen in France. And then they became the government, as with Viktor Orban in Hungary, and people shrugged because, well, you know, Hungary was a communist one-party state three decades ago, so what's the big deal? And then populism started creeping west to Austria and Italy. And then Brexit happened, when every political party from the Tories and Labour to the Scottish Nationalists and Sinn Féin were implacably opposed to it. And five months later, the populism virus jumped the Atlantic and delivered Donald Trump to the White House. Now, the establishment doesn't care who's tops in Budapest. If Macedonia or Latvia want to elect a populist, whoop-de-doo. But it's different in Washington. So for four years, everyone who matters has been determined to evict Trump from the Oval Office and to teach the American people that this is never going to be allowed to happen again. If you don't like Joe Biden, try Jeb or Kasich, because that's the extent of the permitted choice. It would be nice if you losers out there in the hinterland had got the message, but you didn't. Unfortunately, there was no big blue wave. In fact, everywhere other than the presidential vote, there was something of a modest red wave in the Senate, in the House, in the governor's mansions and state legislatures. And here in my own state of New Hampshire with a GOP governor, executive council, Senate, general court, a red wave everywhere but the top of the ticket. Nevertheless, if you believe the official numbers, and I will never believe an official number ever again, uh, but uh, to uh, give them at least play a little bit of lip service to them, after polls all year showing Biden leading Trump by 7, 8, 9, 10, 14, 16 percent in the popular vote, just in uh, polls from the last couple of weeks, right now, He's just a couple of points ahead of Trump. That's if you believe that a man who in the few weeks he was actually campaigning couldn't fill a school gym somehow managed to pull more voters than Obama. So notwithstanding the best efforts of pollsters, media, big tech, the Biden blowout flopped because you losers declined to get with the program. And so it became necessary for the Democrats to move to Plan B. When it became clear that Florida was going Trump, 
the counting in Philadelphia and elsewhere stopped, which, as I said, I've never seen in Canada, Britain, France, anywhere else. I happen to have been on election night. But counting the real votes had to stop because the Democrats needed to find some non-real votes. And fortunately, as they say on the cooking shows, they had some they'd made earlier. Here's Joe Biden a few weeks back. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. And we all laughed, because that's just crazy, Joe. And hey, it's kind of cute. Even your voter fraud organization has to be inclusive. Heaven forfend, we should have a non-diverse voter fraud organization. you got to have men and women, black and white, gay and straight, living and dead for 30 years. But it isn't really funny, is it? Because it's come true. Because they're stealing the presidency in plain sight. There's a coup coming on. Despite a court ruling ordering the GOP be given access to the count, the Philadelphia sheriff is refusing to enforce it. That's a corrupt woman called Rochelle Bilal. There's a coup coming on. In Detroit, the public health department was sent into the TCF center, a 40,000 square foot space. But nevertheless, the public health guys had concerns about breach of COVID social distancing rules. So the windows were covered in cardboard and then the GOP poll watchers were evicted because they're apparently the big corona risk for everybody else. The Democrats are no COVID risk at all. And the non-partisan vote counters cheered as the Republicans were kicked out of the building. There's a coup coming on when Shiawassee County, Wisconsin, reported an additional 153,710 votes for Biden. Some keen observers were just a little bit puzzled because the county only has 55,000 registered voters, so that's like uh, three times the entire electorate. Ah, but don't worry, it was just a clerical error, as the Shiawassee elections lassie belatedly admitted. Someone had just accidentally typed a zero onto Joe's tally. Could happen to anyone. There's a coup coming on in a new batch of ballots that turned up in Philadelphia. 23,200. 177 votes were cast for Joe Biden and not a single one for Trump. So, wow, that's like a 100% Biden precinct. Ah, but don't worry, nothing to see here, folks. In 2012, there was one Philadelphia precinct that gave more than 19,000 votes to Obama and not a single one to Romney. So this is perfectly consistent with previous well-run elections in Philadelphia. There's a coup coming on. Brandon Wilson, a United States Postal Service worker in Buffalo, New York, was arrested trying to enter Canada via the Peace Bridge connecting Buffalo to Fort Erie, Ontario. Immigration officials opened the trunk and found a USPS mail bin inside containing completed absentee ballots from voters. Mr Wilson said, oh, he'd just forgotten to deliver them 
before deciding to go to Canada. There's a coup coming on. Speaking of Canada, our friend Stephen McIntyre, scourge of the hockey stick and star of the Mark Stein crew. Steve's in Toronto, hasn't set foot in America since the border closed, but seems able to grasp the essentials more than some of the president's public defenders who actually are about as much use as public defenders. Steve McIntyre notes that in Michigan, 1,361 persons over the age of 100 cast votes in this election. 1,361 persons over the age of 100. What spectacular life expectancy Michigan has. Um... Selma Steele, for example, was born in 1912, which is 108 years ago. Uh, nevertheless, at that advanced age, she still applied for an absentee ballot, filled it in and returned it. Uh, Selma Steele is certainly absentee. She's been absentee since December the 12th, 1992, which is when she died. There's a coup coming on. Why wait till you've been in the celestial chorus 28 years? To vote. In Pennsylvania, one voter died on October 22nd, but mailed in the ballot on October 24th. That's pretty impressive considering how tied up he must have been with the embalming and whatnot. There's a coup coming on. Some veteran election observers are puzzled by the thousands and thousands of ballots marked for Joe Biden only. They can't understand why so many citizens uh, would go to the polls to fulfill uh, their sacred duty to participate in the process uh, and then vote for Joe. But while they're there, not also vote for the Democrat Senate candidate, Democrat House candidate, Democrat dog catcher, failing to grasp that when you're told they need 1,900 extra Biden votes pronto, you've barely got time to zap the ballot for Joe. Never mind uh, worry about governors, state reps, and all the other stuff uh, down the ticket. Late-breaking Biden ballots have the shortest coattails in political history. There's no coat, just a pre-shrunk tank top allowing a vote for Biden in splendid isolation because the priority is to get Trump and nothing else matters. There's a coup coming on. The president's tweets are being suppressed by Obertweet and Fuhrer Jack Dorsey. A big Facebook group called Stop the Steal launched and attracted 300,000 members in a couple of hours. And then, can you guess what happened? Yes, Mark Zuckerberg decided to kill it because it was, quote, delegitimizing the election process. Actually, you and your chums are the guys doing that, Zuckerberg. Uh, newly elected Georgia House member Marjorie Taylor Greene, who supports Stop the Steal, has thus had her tweets censored by the aforementioned Jack Dorsey. The blogger No Passaran has been banned from Facebook for sharing links in a so-called private messenger conversation. So Facebook will no longer let you uh, share your disinformation one-on-one -on -one with just one other person. It was only in August. August, three months ago, that the United States State Department was condemning Belarus for denying citizens access to the Internet to, quote, share information about the election, unquote. 
Uh, the State Department was complaining that you're not allowed to do that in Belarus. Now Facebook is uh, denying uh, access to Mark Levin and Dan Bongino. And when the president speaks for the first time in three days during a tense period for the nation, the cable networks cut away. That's coup 101. The old leader goes to address the nation and the feed from the presidential palace suddenly cuts out. There's a coup coming on. Arizona is a reverse Georgia. President Trump is outperforming his needed margins in Pima County and Pinal County. But Fox News awarded Arizona to Biden on election night at the same time as they very belatedly awarded Florida to Trump. And they ain't taking that call back, no matter how many Trump supporters object to it. And they're actually chanting... Fox News sucks. Fox News sucks. The reason why they're chanting that is because Fox News sucks. Trump voters chanting Fox News sucks in Arizona. Jared Kushner called Rupert Murdoch on election night to complain about the Arizona call. And that and 695 will get you a decaf macchiato. Rupert has moved on. And it's nearly complete. There were major developments overnight, reported Byron York on Fox. Yeah, it's funny. Funny, isn't it? The way all the major developments are overnight. At uh, that aforementioned ongoing count at the TCF Centre in Detroit, 38,000 ballots were delivered to the hall at 3.30 in the morning. In the words... Of the late Reverend Cain and Banana, while you were sleeping, we helped ourselves. So-called conservative commentators don't get it. I've lost count of the guys I've heard on Fox and talk radio in the last two days express bafflement, bafflement, bewilderment at why Republican officials are being brazenly kicked out of these ballot counts, uh, even when they've been ordered by courts to admit the guys into the ballot counts. Uh, you know, uh, it's almost like they know Democrats don't go to jail. Why, if uh, the, the commentator's point is that if Joe Biden has won fair and square, why wouldn't Democrats want to show to the world that it's all on the up and up? You, you're missing the point here. They're teaching you a lesson in raw power. You're on the outs and you're not getting back in. And while there may be some nice NPR listening ladies down Satanage out there who genuinely believe Biden won because Democrats believe every vote counts, the hard men in the low wards would rather you know it's all a lie and it's just naked muscle and nothing else. Because as in any corrupt society, the point is to force you to live with the lie. In this case, that Joe Biden is the duly elected president of the United States. Because they're betting you will live with it. Like all these so-called conservative media suddenly mysteriously transitioning, even as the presidency is being stolen, to happy talk like, oh, look, here's a nice Texas sheriff down by the border who managed to get elected to Congress. Oh, 
With respect to American conservatives, you need to stop being so blinkered. Under so-called federalism, federalism, you have uniform traffic signage, for example. Don't know why. I miss the local variants from the days when my New Hampshire town had handmade street signs made by the Boy Scout troop. Under so-called federalism, federalism, you have a nationally regulated cheese regime, which is why every piece of cheese from sea to shining sea is a piece of yellow rubber with, in the fancier joint, some sun-dried tomatoes stuck in the middle to provide a soupçon of flavour. Hi, I'd like a cheeseburger. Oh, do you want it with Swiss, American or provolone? No, actually, I'd like it with some cheese. So you have a nationally regulated cheese regime, but for election to the only two national offices in the land, it's let a thousand flowers bloom. Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, each state should get to decide how it steals the presidential election its own way. Oh, to have a uniform national presidential ballot would be at odds with the entire spirit of the American Constitution. So now, as the old line says, the Constitution is a suicide pact. The only good news, and I mean this, I mean this, I want him to do this. The only good news is that President Trump is telling friends he's going to run in 2024. He's going to be the Grover Cleveland of the 21st century. Yeah, go for it. And uh, they're saying that he plans to start a Trump news network, if any cable carrier will agree to distribute it. Yeah, go for that too, because this is a Braveheart moment. <laughs> now tell me, what does that mean to be noble? Your title gives you claim to the throne of our country. But men don't follow titles. They follow courage. Now our people know you. Noble and common, they respect you. And if you would just lead them to freedom, they'd follow you. And so would I. Men don't follow titles, even titles like Mr. President. They follow courage. 70 million Americans are about to become the victims of the greatest and most brazen heist in the history of modern self-governing societies, and those 70 million Americans want justice. In these trying times, we could all use a little diversion. Watch Mark Stein's readings of work by poets from Robert Browning to Robert Service in Stein's Sunday Poems. Whether it's Keats's Ode on a Grecian Urn, John McRae's in Flanders Fields, or James Montgomery's Greenland, Stein brings you the rhyme, rhythm, and reason behind classics and lesser-known delights. Stein's Sunday Poems are available exclusively at www.steinonline.com for members of the Mark Stein Club. View the full catalog at www.steinonline.com slash poems. We'd usually have a poem at this spot in our weekend show, but this is a land too blasted for poetry. The old line about American elections and those tedious cliches that began to wear on me a couple of decades back. The old line is that you campaign in poetry and govern in prose. But what's going on in Philadelphia and Atlanta and Detroit and Las Vegas and Milwaukee is hard, cruel prose. 
Even for Democrats, the only poetry is at the margins. In Palm Springs, California, Christy Holstedge will become the first openly bisexual mayor in American history. She was first elected in 2017 when Palm Springs elected the first all-LGBT QWERTY city council in America. Impressive. In Delaware... Miss Sarah McBride, a close friend of the Biden family, will become the first transgender state senator in American history. In Oklahoma, where the identity politics comes sweeping down the plain, in the Oklahoma state legislature, Maury Turner, a gay black Muslim who wears a hijab, will become the first openly non-binary legislator in American history. Bored by bi chicks, trans babes and non-binary Islamo hotties in Rabbit Hash, Kentucky. A six-month-old French bulldog called Wilbur has been elected mayor. Upon hearing the news, Wilbur rolled over and wanted his tummy tickled, as did Joe Biden after hearing he was ahead in Georgia. But if you're not bi, trans, non-binary, there is no, or canine, let's be fair to Wilbur, there is no poetry in this uh, bleak land at the end of a fiasco of an election, just hard cold, unyielding prose. So in lieu of poetry this week, let me give you a prose reading. A century and a half or so back, as America evolved from an agrarian society with the best form of government known to man, as Tocqueville called New England town meetings, the cities it birthed had a tolerance for corruption on a scale and of an endurance unlike anything in Britain, Canada, Australia. This passage is from a splendid book by Gustavus Myers, uh, published in 1901, called The History of Tammany Hall. And for our non-American listeners, that's Boss Tweed and the Big New York Democrat Machine. I'll read you a brief glimpse of the city's conduct of the state gubernatorial election of 1868, and you'll notice, oddly enough, that all the elements... Uh, from 152 years ago, a present in the Democrat counts going on right now. Quote, For six weeks, the naturalization mills worked with the greatest regularity in the supreme, common pleas and superior courts, producing, it was estimated, from 25,000 to 30,000 citizens, of whom not less than 85% voted the Tammany Hall ticket. On October 30th, Tweed announced to the General Committee that, quote, at 10 o'clock tomorrow, the money for electioneering purposes will be distributed and that those who came first would be served first. The chairman of the executive committee spread forth the glad tidings that there was $1,000 ready for each election district. There being 327 election districts, this made a fund of $327,000 from the general committee alone, exclusive of the sums derived in the districts themselves from the saloon keepers and the tradesmen, whose fear of inviting reprisals by Tammany officials made them easy marks for assessments. 
Tweed personally suggested to the 24 leaders the stuffing of ballot boxes. By fraudulent naturalisation, repeating the buying and trading of votes and intimidation, Seymour secured a total of 108,316 votes against 47,762 for Grant. The whole vote of the city was swelled to 156,288, of which it was conclusively demonstrated at least 25,000 were fraudulent. Tweed himself confessed nine years later that he thought the inspectors of elections, quote, lumped the votes and declared them without counting in order to overcome the result in the rest of the state and give the electoral vote to Seymour. To prevent the Republicans from getting the use of certain telegraph wires on election night, Tweed sent out long, useless messages, and it was even proposed to telegraph the whole Bible, if necessary. Hoffman was swept into the governorship on the strength of the frauds. Oh, one more glimpse of New York politics and the Democrat Party long before Tuesday night, this time the mayor's race of 1862, quote, the Tammany leaders nominated independently, selecting C. Godfrey Gunter. Once more, a non-partisan movement sprang up to combat the forces of corruption. The People's Union, composed of Republicans and Democrats, succeeded, despite the usual frauds, in electing George P. Opdyke, a Republican, by less than 1,000 plurality, he receiving 25,380 votes, Gunter 24,767. In violation of the law, returns in 10 districts were held back for evident purposes of manipulation. When the figures showed Opdyke's election, attempts were made to deprive him of his certificate on the pretense that the returns as published in the daily newspapers were inaccurate. After much counting by the board of aldermen, whose attempt at counting out Opdyke was frustrated by the vigilance of his friends, the latter was declared elected by 613 plurality. Unquote. Returns in 10 districts were held back for purposes of manipulation. Sound familiar? Fortunately, Mayor Opdyke had vigilant friends at the count, which is why in Philly, Detroit, and elsewhere, the Dems made sure that this time there was no possibility of that. Oh, but that's Tammany, you say, just New York. No, it was everywhere. In 1904, the investigative journalist Lincoln Steffens wrote a terrific book on municipal corruption, uh, The Shame of the Cities, uh, a great title uh, and one just as pertinent today. Uh, Mr. Steffens devoted a chapter apiece to only the most obvious examples. New York, Chicago, St. Louis, Minneapolis, Pittsburgh, oh, and yes, Philadelphia. See how familiar this sounds after the last week. Quote, The Philadelphia machine isn't the best, it isn't sound, and I doubt if it would stand in New York or Chicago. The enduring strength of the typical American political machine is that it is a natural growth, a sucker, but deep-rooted in the people. The New Yorkers vote for Tammany Hall, 
the Philadelphians do not vote. They are disfranchised, and their disfranchisement is one anchor of the foundation of the Philadelphia organization. This is no figure of speech. The honest citizens of Philadelphia have no more rights at the polls than the Negroes down south, nor do they fight very hard for this basic privilege. You can arouse their Republican ire by talking about the black Republican votes lost in the southern states by white Democratic intimidation, but if you remind the average Philadelphian that he is in the same position, uh, he will look startled, then say, that's so. That's literally true. Only I never thought of it in just that way. And it is literally true. The machine controls the whole process of voting and practices fraud at every stage. The assessor's list is the voting list and the assessor is the machine's man. Quote, the assessor of a division kept a disorderly house. He padded his lists with fraudulent names registered from his house. Two of these names were used by election officers. The constable of the division kept a disreputable house. A policeman was assessed as living there. The election was held in the disorderly house maintained by the assessor. The man named as judge had a criminal charge for a life offence pending against him. 252 Two votes were returned in a division that had less than 100 legal votes within its boundaries, unquote. These extracts from a report of the Municipal League suggest the election methods. The assessor pads the list with the names of dead dogs, children and non-existent persons. One newspaper printed the picture of a dog, another that of a little four-year-old Negro boy down on such a list. A ring orator in a speech resenting sneers at his ward as low down reminded his hearers that that was the ward of Independence Hall, and naming over signers of the Declaration of Independence, he closed his highest flight of eloquence with the statement that, quote, these men, the fathers of American liberty, voted down here once, and, he added with a catching grin, they vote here yet. Rudolf Blankenberg, a persistent fighter for the right and the use of the right to vote, and by the way an immigrant, sent out just before one election a registered letter to each voter on the rolls of a certain selected division. 63% were returned marked not at, removed, deceased, etc. From one four-storey house where 44 voters were addressed, 18 letters came back undelivered. From another of 48 voters came back 41 letters. From another, 61 out of 62. From another, 44 out of 47. Six houses in one division were assessed at 172 voters, more than the votes cast in the previous election in any one of 200 entire divisions. The repeating is done boldly, for the machine controls the election officers, often choosing them from among the fraudulent names, and when no one appears to serve, assigning the healer ready for the expected vacancy. The police are forbidden by law to stand within 30 feet of the polls, but they are at the box and they are there to see that the machine's orders are obeyed and that repeaters whom they help to furnish are permitted to vote without, quote, intimidation 
on the names they, the police, have supplied. The editor of an anti-machine paper who was looking about for himself once told me that a ward leader who knew him well asked him into a polling place. I'll show you how it's done, he said. And he had the repeaters go round and round voting again and again on the names handed them on slips. But, as the editor said, that isn't the way it's done. The repeaters go from one polling place to another, voting on slips, and on their return rounds change coats, hats, etc. The business proceeds with very few hitches. There is more jesting than fighting. Violence in the past has had its effect and is not often necessary nowadays, but if it is needed, the police are there to apply it. Several citizens told me that they had seen the police help to beat citizens or election officers who were trying to do their duty, then arrest the victim. And Mr Clinton Rogers Woodruff, the executive counsel of the Municipal League, has published a booklet of such cases. But an official statement of the case is at hand in an announcement by John Weaver, the new machine mayor of Philadelphia, that he is going to keep the police out of politics and away from the polls. I shall see, he added, that every voter enjoys the full right of suffrage and that ballots may be placed in the ballot box without fear of intimidation. But many Philadelphians do not try to vote. They leave everything to the machine, and the machine casts their ballots for them. Unquote. A prose reading from me to you from The Shame of the Cities by Lincoln Steffens. It's all so familiar, from making the observers stand 30 feet away to the mayor of Philadelphia, piously bleating, oh, count every vote. It's only a surprise to Republican lawyers on the morning after. America's cities shame us still. And yet how did Americans react to the fine work of Gustavus Myers and Lincoln Steffens? For every Mr. Smith goes to Washington, there are a zillion films, novels, plays, even a couple of musicals in which corrupt urban ward healers are presented as lovable rogues. The voting dead became a running joke. And the joke ran for over a century until November 2020, when the graveyards rose up and in a political zombie apocalypse overwhelmed the living. One day, historians will manage to identify the deciding vote, the one that put Joe over the top, and they'll find it was cast by Jeffrey Epstein in at least five different states. Mark's Mailbox is on the air. I usually answer one listener query in depth in this spot, but as you'd expect, we have a torrent right now, so I'm going to riffle through half a dozen and add just a comment. Mark Stein Club member Walt Trimmer writes, I am not a lawyer, and I know many Mark Stein Club members are, but my take looking forward is grim. What would litigation look like and what would be the remedy? Once the mail-in ballot envelopes were opened and when the forged ballots were smuggled through the door in the counting centre, they were real ballots that cannot be separated from legitimate votes. I don't believe any court will order that some votes not be counted. Fast forward to the Supreme Court. The SCOTUS is not... That's one of those acronyms I hate, actually. 
I really dislike that one, Walt. I don't think I'm going to say SCOTUS. The Supreme Court of the... I just don't like it. Sorry, I don't want to make an issue of it, but I'm antsy today. Uh, The Supreme Court of the United States is not really as great a factor as many would have it. The court loves to dodge issues when they can. They will rule on standing or on a narrow slice of a case to avoid dramatic precedent. Occasionally, they will split the baby. The biggest example of this is Roe versus Wade. And it will wind up being a big factor in destroying the republic. Bush versus Gore 2000 was only to stop the local recount of ballots on the grounds that the recount would not match the rest of Florida and that this was prohibited by equal protection under the law. Then the Republican Secretary of State certified the vote and off the electors went to the Electoral College. It would take at least an order of magnitude greater decision to not count or include some votes. There have been precincts in Philly, Wisconsin and Illinois where there were more votes than registered voters and nothing happened. SCOTUS does not have five votes to do anything as bold as overturn the Electoral College vote and send the election to the House of Representatives. We know three justices would never do that. I'm pretty sure John Roberts would never do that. Even the wonderful Amy Coney Barrett swore that she would only uphold the rule of law and would never be so bold as to decide an election. So the legal fight will go on. Money raised and consumed by lawyers, but nothing will happen. The votes will be counted until Biden is ahead. The big city Dems in swing states will have fired on Fort Sumter, but the Federals will not mobilize this time. Clubbers, please tell me am I am wrong. Uh, I'll leave that to the clubbers, Walt. Uh, for my part, uh, John Roberts didn't want a piece of this before the election, when the court would have been perceived as merely setting the rules of the election. He won't want to go near it afterwards when the court will be perceived, at least in the media, as changing the result of the election. That's why conservative intellectuals focused on the Supreme Court are such chumps, because if you're banking on judges, you're already playing defence. Chris Dre, another Stein clubber, writes, Hunt... Chris writes, Hunter who... FBI investigators at the first press conference after the new regime takes power. Oh, Hunter. Hunter who? Uh, oh, don't be so cynical, Chris. Any day now the uh, the Durham report will be a coming. Just you wait and see the Durham report. Kitty Bits writes, with the exception of Tucker Carlson and guest appearances by Mark Stein, I've completely lost interest in anything on Fox News. Even Greg Gutfeld talks about President Trump in the past tense. People in the states where this voter fraud is taking place on the most massive scale need to gather as they did for President Trump's rallies and flood City Hall and the corrupt polling places and insist that they get to see the quote, ballots that have mysteriously appeared. They need to physically throw these corrupt leftists out or they're agreeing to live with a bunch of corrupt leftists running their communities and their country. The United States is over if Biden is allowed to steal this election. There was a ton of voter fraud when Obama got elected. It's worse now. The US as a developed nation should have a uniform means of voting that requires citizenship and an ID. The media's assertions that insisting on voter ID is racist are racist. Someone needs to 
uh, ask the next leftist propagandist if they're truly saying that black people don't know how to get themselves an ID. It's absurd. If the left continues down this path, they're going to start another civil war and it's going to end the same way the one they started 150 years ago ended with them losing and looking bad for a very long time afterward. You can only win a civil war, Kitty, if you're willing to get into one, which brings me back to what I said at the top of the show. Stephen Payne writes, uh, you know the old joke, man, doctor, it hurts when I do this. Doctor, well, don't do that. On hee-haw, the doctor would then hit the man with a rubber chicken. Well, our society, I really only, I really only moved here to live in hee-haw America, Stephen. You can imagine how let down I feel. Where did that America go? Uh, Stephen continues, well, our society has evolved to the point where every four years we do something that is guaranteed to make about half the population angry and miserable. I think we have reached the point where any good doctor would say, well, don't do that. Why do we insist on staying in a union in which half of us are always miserable? I'm not the first or the only one to think that maybe we should call it quits. I feel a rubber chicken coming on. I think about that a lot, Stephen. Um, not the rubber chicken, the uh, dissolution of the union. Um, I can see secession in Canada or the UK. Quebec is Quebec and always will be, and, and likewise uh, the Scots. Um, but here I wonder how much real estate the good guys would wind up with. If you look at what Bush won in 2000, the entire Atlantic South, as solidly, reliably Republican, is all but gone. Virginia's a blue state, and North Carolina and Georgia are now apparently uh, purple swingers, or, you know, uh, from whatever it was, the early hours of Friday morning, uh, solid blue states. Uh, I, I think it has come to that. I think it has come to that, Stephen. There are two incompatible views of what this nation is. And that has been clear for the entirety of this century. Brondo writes, if Trump loses, he should declassify everything he can get his hands on, including entire personnel files. Let's see what the FBI has on Pelosi. Let's see where Biden's bank accounts are and how much is in them, including any overseas ones that might be around. Lay it all bare. Preach it, Brondo. I'm with you there. I don't want a... This This has been a coup, and so I do not want a normal transition period. And if that means that when, uh, when the Electoral College confirms Biden as the 46th president, uh, Trump should just say, screw you, I'm done, I'm out of here, and he should get out. And he should do that before January the 20th when he can use Air Force One. Uh, because it's my view that uh, after uh, the Biden regime takes power, as in many coup situations, they will want to have the previous leader arrested. I'm being perfectly serious here. It is the intention of the Democrat Party to put Trump in jail. So when he launches the Trump News Network, it's going to need to be based out of Costa Rica or the Turks and Caicos or somewhere. David Elstrom says, Some seem relieved that the Senate remain narrowly in Republican hands. What makes them think Democrats who spurn constitutionalism and openly cheat like mad to win won't just tear a page out of Obama's playbook and start issuing presidential diktats? Who needs the Senate? 
minute if you have a pen and a phone. And plenty of eager Obersturmbahnführers. I nearly read that as Obama Sturmbahnführers uh, in the regulatory bureaucracies. Quite right, David. We should also add, uh, read the Senate, that Puerto Rico voted on Tuesday to become a state. Now, it's a supposedly non-binding referendum, but actually it turns out that uh, Tuesday's presidential vote was also non-binding. So that does that's not really important. And as you know, uh, the Democrats have threatened to make Puerto Rico uh, and the District of Columbia a state. And the whole who count any every vote mantra also applies to those Puerto Ricans who voted for statehood on Tuesday. That's a random sampling of uh, our Mark's mailbox uh, letters. Uh, I always love to hear your queries. Keep them coming, and we are going to be doing a live Clubland Q&A in the next few days. Mark Stein's Last Call. If you live in Jackson, Michigan, which is halfway between Battle Creek and Ann Arbor, and you're over a certain age, you surely remember Fields Department Store, which moved to 201 West Michigan Avenue in 1891 into a magnificent neo-Gothic building that then expanded into a rather cool space-age modernist edifice in the 50s. Uh, It was founded by Leonard H. Field, a cousin of the Chicago department store impresario Marshall Field. Fields had the very first escalator in Jackson. It had a bargain basement, a post office, a candy counter and fudge shop, and a delightful tea room called the Rose Room. It also had a beauty salon. And for many years, the beautician there was a lady called June Aiken. If you grew up in Jackson, you may have memories of her time at Fields. June and her husband, Harry, lived about seven miles out of town in Napoleon Township, Michigan, and they had three children, eight grandchildren, 13 great-grandchildren, and five great-great-grandchildren. June was born in 1920 and died at a grand old age last year. Nevertheless, at the age of 100, June Aiken managed to request an absentee ballot, managed to fill it in and return it, and thus cast a vote in the 2020 presidential election. What an inspiration. America may be deceased, but its glorious dead vote on now and forever, which is why we may be changing the nature of our last call to focus on those thousands and thousands of Americans who have found the secret of eternal life. Just keep voting Democrat. Stay safe, stay free, stay alert. Show. Why did I go? Hey! The Mark Stein-
Rights Reserved.